Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. On this week's episode of Damsels in the DMs. I didn't grow up in an environment that was conducive to arts or even knowing that acting was an option. I was surrounded a lot by sports and grades. Um, And so as a kid, I didn't have any outlets to express myself, but naturally was always a very expressive kid who just wanted to be a star and wanted to be out (laughs) there. But I didn't really realize what that meant to me. In fact, as a kid, I was not allowed to watch Will and Grace, but I would secretly tape it on VHS. This is back in the late 90s. Um, And I would, after my parents, everyone went to sleep, I would watch episodes of Will and Grace. I would write down the dialogue on this legal pad that I hid in my underwear drawer. And I would just rehearse the scenes from Will and Grace with my mirror at night. And so I've been acting since I was little, but like, I didn't know that's what I was doing. I was just like, I felt the need to like, express and like my body knew I was an actor before I consciously knew that I was. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. <laughs> Tell us what's the vibe. Uh-huh. What's the vibe? There's some damsels in the DM. Do you? Do you? Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs. Yeah, we see them. Yeah, we read them. DMs, DMs. We don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Lauren. And I am Ash. And guys, I have some good news. I've been stressing out about my visa situation for a very long time. And yesterday, June 21st, just because it's not going to be yesterday for you guys. Um, I got, I had my visa appointment and I got there. I was super, super nervous because I was like, these people are going to turn me away. It's the wrong visa type appointment. They're going to be like, please leave and come back with a, the correct appointment. But I get there and actually someone that I met on set, um, she's going to Paris too to, to study at, um, from NYU. She's going to Paris for a semester. And she was saying, be prepared to be at the visa appointment for three hours. And I was like, God, like this is gonna suck. So I was like prepared to be there for three hours, but because I was prepared, I had everything that I needed that I thought like every possibility of what they were gonna ask me for, I had. So when I went there, I was super prepared. And the thing that I printed off at your apartment beforehand, like the morning of, I, that was by chance. Like, I didn't even know that I needed it, but I printed that by chance and they asked for that twice. <gasps> wow. Yeah. How did you yeah. know all of the things that I don't you know. may not need? I knew about all this stuff because I can't, I researched a lot. I watched YouTube videos. I asked ChatGPT. I went on their website. I just double checked everything. Um, so I got everything and more than what they would need. Like I got a letter of intent for why I was going to be there and like statement of purpose, everything, everything. And my appointment was 15 minutes long and they took me and they accepted me. They were like, yep, we got you. You can expect your passport back in two weeks. Oh, so instead of heading to Paris tomorrow, because Friday, June 23rd was supposed to be my uh, leaving date. I'm actually leaving July 12th. So you're going to have me for three weeks longer. So did you decide like what your general plan is during that time period? Um, my general plan between now and July 12th, yeah. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to be in on the East Coast. I'm going to be coming back and forth from Jersey to the city. Um, I'm coming to New York tomorrow night just for a night or two nights, I think. And then um, I'm coming back June 30th uh, to hang out with you and Cora and then spend like July 4th over here. And I'll probably head back July 6th to Jersey. Um, and then I know there's one more time that we're coming up to the city on like the 9th or something, but I'm just gonna try to stay here and catch up on all the work that I need to catch up on before I head out. Yeah, wait, so when do you start in September? September 7th. And is it every day? Uh, it's probably going to be Monday to Friday. Uh, my schedule is going to be different to most people, depending on what classes I'm going to be taking. It really feels like college. Yeah. So but is it's it like, like exciting all classes. day throughout the day? Um, it's probably going to be like three hours oh, a day. Damn. Things, or maybe six hours. This girl that I talked to who she's from America, she's at the school. She just finished her first year. She was like, I think she said her her day on Thursday started at 9 a.m. and ended at 10 p.m. Like kind of like yours. Yeah. Because of the school. It was her choice to take some certain classes. So like it's because she wanted to take voice and body movement. Um, it ended up being like a 7.30 to 10.30 p.m. class. So she did have like an hour or two hours break between each of those classes. Yikes. Yeah. Are you going to survive? I think so. I think so. I, I definitely, I think I'm going to try to plan it better than she did. Um, this is the only thing that she's got going. Like this is the only thing that she's doing. So she has that time during the day to like, just focus on that. But this, I have so many more projects 
to work on. Like Uh, podcast. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. So I think my schedule is going to be better. I think it's going to be like three to four hours a day. Great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm excited. A lot though every day. And now she's really going people. Now I'm going. It's crazy. Lauren wants me to stay. I know. I keep sending her things. I'm like, that air in Paris. Yeah. No, there was like this, a shooting or something that happened at a, no, not a shooting. What was it? An explosion that happened at a U.S. fashion school. And Lauren was watching the news and she sent me the picture of it. She was like, you sure you still want to (laughs) go? I was like, doesn't seem safe. And then even just me being in New York. Uh, Lauren was like, you're going to see my friend's apartment and you're going to be like, oh, I want to live in New York. And then as soon as I saw the apartment, I was like, I love this apartment so much. I want to live in New York. I know. I'm jealous. I want you to love my apartment. <laughs> I love your apartment. Your apartment's so cute. I do love it. And you furnish it so well. It is such a cute apartment. Wow. Thank you so much. Are you just saying? And it's big. Oh, no, right. I'm not just saying it too. And it's big. Okay. So today's guest is really exciting. Today we have Matthew Scott Montgomery, who is, a lot of people know him from I'm a big Disney Channel girl, but I think I was too old when Sunny with a Chance came out, but a lot of him know him from Sunny with a Chance slash So Random, and he's also one of Demi Lovato's bestie, bestie, besties, but not only that, he's just a cool person to chat with. Um, so wonderful. So wonderful, and the hustle, like, you hear people's hustle in LA, but his hustle was, like, very creative. This was a very creative way for him to get his yes. start in LA. That is one of the most interesting stories of how somebody got their start and like just so strategic. I really admire it. You know, I love people with hustle. So, yeah, I was actually talking about Matthew's uh, hustle on your set on Monday. I was telling one of the girls, um, one of the the talent about his hustle. And I was like, that is just a story that's going to stick with me forever. And that's going to give me like motivation to keep going and keep being in this industry because you know, and, and also fight for myself and whatever way I do it, like it it will work, you know, some way that I want to go network or put myself out there. Like, don't be shy to put yourself out there. And he really did put himself out there and, and got the career that he is in right now. And he's successful. He's a working actor. Um, really, really fun person to talk to. And I really want to hang out with him. I want to be friends with him. 100%. He's got some spooky things coming out that we're going to talk about. And um, overall, cool, really cool, really cool human being. No, but truly a beautiful conversation. Um, And I think for me, it's really inspiring and rejuvenating to meet people like this in the industry because sometimes like when you're dealing with finances and budgets and the logistics of filmmaking, I definitely had a moment this weekend where I was like, why do I do this? Like, why am I in this career path? Why am I lifting this heavy equipment when I could be at Pilates? But then you talk to people like Matthew Scott Montgomery and you're like, yeah, this is why I create art. So yeah, it was very, it was a very inspiring conversation and by far one of my best uh, conversations that I've had with anyone in the industry. 100%. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Hello, Matthew Scott Montgomery. How are you today? I'm so good. How about yourselves? We are good, dude. I'm waiting for the sun to come up in Los Angeles. It affects my mood so much. I like, am so like, it's okay. It, I looked at this Instagram um, reel and it said there were 24 consecutive days in May where it was gloomy. Not okay. And now we're in June 14th and it's it's what May May gray into June gloom, but uh, a friend of mine yesterday was like June doom, because, <laughs> like 
It won't stop. That's the thing about LA. Too. I'm a summer bitch. I'm summer through and yeah. through. I'm the my personality is entirely summer. Cold weather makes me angry the way hot weather makes other people angry. And like, I have to remind myself every year that in LA, it doesn't get summer hot until September. Like, 4th of July is not it. Like, June's not super hot. Like, beach time doesn't really happen until way later. You're so yeah. right. I agree. God. God, right. LA. Okay. Come on. So, <laughs> come on. That's why we moved out here. <laughs> See, well, this is why I'm leaving. Um, yeah, get out of here. Yeah. Get out, I am getting out of here. <laughs> okay, so can you please start us off with um, a little bit about yourself, your journey into the industry, and what initially sparked your interest to be an actor? Yeah, so my name is Matthew Scott Montgomery. I'm an actor. I've been acting for over 10 years here in LA. Most people know me from Disney Channel stuff that I've done. I about like I was a big deal like 10 years ago. <laughs> Um, so like, uh, I did a, a, but I guess like there's been like a resurgence in TikTok, I guess, because, you know, kids that have watched me growing up have kind of, um, are now using TikTok. So that's been really fun. And locally here in, in, I'm in LA, I do a lot of theater. Um, and I didn't grow up in an environment that was conducive to arts or even knowing that acting was an option. I was surrounded a lot by sports and grades. Um, and so as a kid, I didn't have any outlets to express myself, but naturally was always a very expressive kid who just wanted to be a star and wanted to be out there, but I didn't really realize what that meant to me. In fact, as a kid, I was not allowed to watch Will and Grace, but I would secretly tape it on VHS. This is back in the late nineties. Um, and I would, after my parents, everyone went to sleep, I would watch episodes of Will and Grace. I would write down the dialogue on this legal pad that I hid in my underwear drawer. And I would just rehearse the scenes from Will and Grace with my mirror at night. And so I've been acting since I was little, but like, I didn't know that's what I was doing. I was just like, I felt the need to like express and like my body knew I was an actor before I consciously knew that I was. Does that make sense? Wow, yeah. I would have acting yeah. class with the mirror growing up, you know what I mean? So I haven't been professionally acting for as long as my body has been telling me that I should have been an actor. That's so crazy. When, when did you, where are you from, by the way? So I was born in North Carolina, but I grew up in North Carolina, Texas, New Jersey, and I lived in New York for a second. So all around. Yeah. <laughs> and when were you able to start, like, when was your first acting class or like your first thing that you did as an actor well, outside I, of the mirror scenes? <laughs> yeah. Besides after mirror class ended, um, I went to NYU for about six weeks and dropped out. Um, I, there were three teachers that I had there who were the first people to ever really tell me that I was a good actor. I could do acting if I wanted to. Um, there was like a film and TV program at NYU and the head of the department was kind of like, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to be an actor? And I was like, I think so. And she was like, if you move to LA right now, I think you could make it. So I dropped out of school and I moved to LA. And then I was on Disney Channel like a year and a half later. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yes. I hope How did you go about like getting an agent and everything? Like when you first got well, to LA? Isn't that always the question, honey? I've been through like, I think 11 agents at this point. All the opportunities I've really gotten for myself that have been big things I've, I, I, I've, I've figured out on my own some kind of way. It's really great and nice to have a team. Um, like I have a, my manager I've been with a long time is great. 
Um, but you, you, you know, the joke or not the joke, I guess, like the, the, the gag in LA kind of is your agent manager make 10% because they do 10% of the work. You know what True. I mean? So it's like, we're doing kind of like, you know, 90 or 80% of the work or whatever it is. I love my team. They're fantastic. But kind of how I got started with everything was theater here in LA. So I, there's a, a website called Actors Access that I still submit to all day, every day. So I still do it. I st like as of y yesterday. And I, I submitted myself for a play um, that ended up kind of being my big break. There was a show that ran in 2010 um, called Yellow that this playwright named Del Shores wrote. And it was a really great showcase for me because it was a, uh, it was a dramatic piece, but it had a sense of humor about it. And I was kind of the comedic relief. I was playing this, this kid who was physically and emotionally abused for being gay by his family. And he runs away and gets adopted by the family next door. And it becomes kind wow. of a domestic story about that. That ran for a year here in LA. And that's kind of, that's one of the things that snowballed into me getting attention. You know, like um, agents and managers saw that and kind of reached out to me after that. Um, but also I did this thing early on in my career where when I moved out here, I kind of like, I've never had like a wild LA um, experience. Like the second I moved out here, I kind of was like, I have so much to prove and I feel like I have so much time to make up for. I had like basically 18 years of my life where I wasn't doing the thing that I wish I had been doing and didn't know that I could do it. So when I got out to LA, I was like, girl, I'm busting these buns. I'm like pounding these pavements. Like I got to show you what I can do. And there was this place here that no longer exists called Act Now. That was a place that did casting director workshops, which sort of happened still, but then we're kind of found to be illegal because you have to like pay to audition essentially for a casting. Yeah. You, maybe you guys know about those no. um, at the time. Well, this was, no. this was, this was 2010. So at the time um, I knew these places had these classes, but I couldn't afford it. So I, I paid for like the first couple classes and was just myself and was just like really bubbly personality. And I was like, Hey, I can't afford these classes, but there was a parking garage that was very confusing. And I was like, can I work the parking garage and in exchange for classes. So if I'm there every night of the week from seven to 10 directing people where to park, can I use that as hours towards class? And they said, yes. And what would happen was casting directors would drive through there every night to park and I would tell them where to park. So you better believe for that 30 seconds I was speaking with them, I like gave the most personality ever that I ever had, you know what I mean? And would get to form relationships with these cast directors, some who are now are my very close friends because I met them just waving them through the garage every night for months. And this play Yellow that I had booked, I printed off little flyers and I put them next to me in the parking garage. And when cast directors would drive through, they would be like, what's this thing? I'm like, oh, whatever. It's this dumb play that I'm in. I have free tickets, I guess, if you want. But the truth is I, pay, I paid for their tickets to like have them come see it. And it was a very big deal, but it worked. So like there was this one Disney casting director, Howie Meltzer, who I love, just like the greatest guy in the world. He's brought me in. I think like 25 times to audition for things wow. throughout the years. Hi, Howie, I love you. And he cast me in the pilot for Shake It Up with Zendaya and Bella Thorne back in 2010. Oh but that would not have happened if I hadn't been in the garage showing my personality, advertising a play that he came to see that he knew that I could do it to bring me in for that audition. So agent manager didn't really, they guided that, but all of that started because I was just trying to find creative, quick ways to be seen and be known. And that's what I did. 
That is, that is genius. Hustle. Yes. Yeah. My God. That and is like the best such, story. People have such a different reception of going to LA. A lot of people that can't, you know, that end up leaving is like, I go to LA, I think I'm immediately going to get discovered by walking down the street and then no one discovers me. So I'm like, fuck, like, okay. Yeah. Well, but this I, is this is hustle culture. Like this is what you do. You you put yourself out there and you find creative ways to to get people to notice you and see you. And yeah. that's exactly what you did. That is so impressive. I think one of the best ways to try to wrap your head around that, if you're a, a starting off in the industry, is to find a way to advertise yourself, but also be creatively fulfilled at the same time. I mean, like TikTok and all those things are really good ways to do that, where it's like you're satisfying yourself by creating something that you think is good or funny or pleases you and then other people can kind of see it. My kind of way into that locally was was theater. You know, I theater is home for me. I always return back to theater. It's a little bit easier to access theater than it is film and TV. There's like less steps you kind of have to go through that. And I think it's probably the best training that you can have for acting in general because you can't yell cut, the show must go on. This thing happens in theater that doesn't happen a lot of time in film and TV where as an artist, you get to tell a full story all the way through in one sitting, unless it's a time jump kind of play. You know, film and TV is all about trying to perfect a moment, like create the most perfect moment, and then an editor pieces together those moments for this thing that lives forever. And theater is about like trying to create a full arc that only exists that night. So as a storyteller, it's really satisfying to do, and it's great training for you as an actor to be in it and stay in it. And you can use that stuff when you're trying to perfect those moments in film and TV, even though it's kind of a different animal. I can't speak highly enough about theater, what it does for the artist and actor's soul, and also what class and training it kind of is. And it's a great showcase to invite people to come to, especially if you're doing work you're really proud of. So are you still doing theater now? I am still doing theater now. In fact, I have an audition for a play tomorrow where I have to play 19, so I'll be shaving this face. Amazing. Uh, and yeah, I'm doing a, <clears throat> I'm not sure when this will, but I'm doing a one act festival in July. I'll be back on stage in, in July here in LA. But I always try, I mean, like, I just closed a musical uh, less than a month ago. So I'm, I always try to be somewhere performing just for my sanity frankly because like yeah. this kid who is stuck in his bedroom expressing himself with his mirror i'm just desperate to express you know a lot of my childhood was in the south and the culture of the south is to shove everything down and i could get to a different podcast discussion about sexuality and being who you are because i know who i am and I can access those things within myself. I want to be as many different people as I can possibly be while I'm alive and while I'm on earth and acting is the way to do that. And theater can just be so much more accessible. I know we're going through a writer strike and I believe we're about to go through an actor strike. 100% the right thing to do absolutely needs to happen. In the meantime, theater is a safe place for actors and artists to explore and still stay in tune with our artist battery and keep that full while we wait for things to come in order with film and television. Do you Hell think yeah. you could talk about that a little bit? Sorry, Ash, just because like, <laughs> I yeah. think members of SAG are confused right now. Like, can they still work on indie projects? Like. What is it going to look like when SAG goes on strike? Is everything shut down? I'm also a member of SAG, so I I think that it benefits everybody to hear it from you. You know, it's hard to say what exactly will happen. I do think 
um, the actor strike is imminent. I did see a tweet that was said, like, you think a bunch of writers with a megaphone are annoying? Wait till you get a bunch of actors with a megaphone. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, girl, that's right. I've been striking here or picketing here a lot in LA and the solidarity is really great amongst the actors because, you know, right now they have till June 30th to come up with a contract that pleases the SAG after members. Um, is that possible? I suppose. Do I think it'll happen? I don't know. <laughs> um, and so if that essentially basically after the 4th of July, we would strike. And the idea would be that we would hold off on auditioning or any kind of union SAG after work in solidarity to hold tight to get the stuff that we deserve. You know, the last strikes that occurred were before I, before I moved here, but you know, it was kind of like dealing with streaming. What do we do about the streaming stuff coming up, which is a part of our lives now, right? Mm -hmm. For example, the Disney Channel shows that I'm on on Disney Plus, I don't get any money from that because I'd signed a contract a long time ago that said, you can use my image digitally as much as you want. Because at the time when we were shooting it, that just meant like YouTube ads or maybe like something online a little bit. Disney Plus didn't exist. So we're, and how it used to work is when you were on Disney, I have like whatever network TV show you're on or cable TV show, the day that the episode you shoot airs, you make what you were paid the day you worked. So if you got paid, I'm just going to use this a thousand dollars to shoot one day on TV for an episode. When that episode of television airs, you make that a thousand dollars again. When it airs the second time, you make like nine hundred dollars. The third time, eight hundred, and it goes down. And that's how we keep a living as an actor. Is those are residuals to keep us going while we audition our in-between gigs. Because of streaming, that residual doesn't, that doesn't exist. So in per anything can be shown on any streamer as much as you possibly, as much as they want. And we as actors don't get paid additionally for that if it's not airing on TV or it's some very specific thing that we signed earlier. So right now, a lot of what the contract stuff we wanna figure out is, how do we get paid fairly? How are we able to live as actors? AI is moving extremely fast. How do we work with AI? I think it's not against, I think it's how you work with AI so we're all paid for the work that we do. I think during the pandemic especially, we saw um, that artists are essential workers because what did we do for months? We just sat and watched television and watched film you know what i mean that's that's what that's what we do I, and you know like i can't speak for everyone but me as, as an actor i'm i try to see a movie or a play every single weekend at least you know what i mean like i i live to be entertained girl so it's like entertainers are essential workers and you know we should be paid appropriately for the work that we do as far as what it's going to look like post actor strike whether we audition or not i think it's hard to say right now I've had in a couple auditions for things in the last couple of weeks that they're trying to shove and shoot really, really quickly before that begins. I think that's basically done. Um, the I have auditions coming up, but they're all theater ones, and I think the film and TV ones are going to peter out. I'm mentally prepared for strike Strike Boy Summer, where it's like, you know, the film and TV stuff is going to be paused. I will create my own content, which I have been doing. Um, you know, on, on social media and things like that and focus on theater and ways that I can keep my artist battery filled up in anticipation for when the time is right for us to start auditioning again, which I think may be a while. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think we're going to be, I think we're going to, it's going to be like at least like a month, like, I don't know, five. Yeah. I had months. dinner with a friend of mine who's last night with a wife who is, um, a really successful producer who's, 
who's reeling from all of this. And the, what she was telling me was it's looking like November, December, January. I'm just thinking about the projects that I had already agreed to shoot in late July, who are like my friends' projects that yeah. were hiring me for SAG. And I'm like, oh God, do I want to try to get them to shoot at the end of June now? Well, are you, <laughs> as long as you're not behind the scenes with that, I guess that's kind of not your decision yeah. to make at this point. And um, we'll just, things can change very, in the entertainment industry in general, things obviously change very quickly. Whether you're on, you know, you could audition for something on Friday and you're shooting in Canada on Monday morning and you have a fitting on Canada in 24 hours, you know what I mean? Like that stuff can happen. And so similarly with the rate that AI is moving so quickly, you know, the strike for the WGA strike, I think, you know, we're, we're over a month in at this point. So this part is not moving as fast as we want, but it's unpredictable. You know, the, it's the industry that we've chosen to be in or chose us is very, very unpredictable. Flexibility has always been, and will continue to be the name of the game. How do you think AI is going to change our industry? Justine Bateman had a really um, intuitive uh, tweet about AI. And if I could pull it up, I would. But talking about just some of the, I don't want to say dangers necessarily, but some of the warnings of what AI could look like, whether it's like, let's say, Ash, you're like, I want to be in a movie. I want to watch a movie with me and Scarlett Johansson tonight. And you can like type in, I want to be in a horror movie and your face can be put in it and your voice can be put in. You can watch it that night. Right. Yeah. So I don't think that's too off from the realm of possibility. So the question there is as actors, do we say, Hey, pay me $5 million and you can use my face for whatever for the rest of my life. And that's my career. Or do we, how do you regulate all of that stuff? Also, I mean, like there could be, um, you know, uh, an extra season of Glee because they already have everyone's faces and voices and things like that, that they could either use body doubles or all be AI to create that stuff. And for the powers that be, that sounds very lucrative and cheap. You know what I mean? So is, it, 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 will it be good? No. <laughs> will it get better? Yeah, because AI is self-learning. So it's, it's constantly evolving and get better. There's even, um, a filter that a friend of mine uses that when she's doing like teleprompter work, it moves your eyes up to the camera so you can directly read the lines. You don't have to memorize it because AI is moving your eyes up to that. Now, that from so a theater scary. person who has to memorize quite a bit of lines and is very good at it, that makes me kind of upset because I'm like, I've done all this work to memorize lines, but that's going to be easier. And you can film more stuff in a shorter amount of time because you don't have to memorize an on the spot kind of thing. So we're going to have to figure out a way to uh, embrace it and work along with it in a way that is smart and lets all of us entertainers continue to have a living. But I also think it's like past the point of fighting it. I think it's like you have to, we have to find a way to work with it and be smarter about regulations with that. God, that's so terrifying. Is that You've also been writing your own work, correct? Yeah, that's right. So yeah, how is that changing for you now? Like, do you think you're going to be picking it up more? And how does your work differ between when you're taking on projects that you didn't write versus your own work? Well, I kind of started writing out of necessity a little bit where, as I talked before, like desperate to express, right? And so I was like, I want to be in a play. I didn't get cast one. I'll just write one for myself. I did this... For about 10 years, I've been doing this, um, almost 10 years, yeah, this Halloween play in town called Spook Night, where I just cast a bunch of my friends and write us scary scenes that we put up on stage, and it sells out 
every year. That kind of started because a lot of my castmates on Disney Channel had never done theater before and didn't understand how it worked. And I wanted to involve them and or just show them this is what a play is like. This is like kind of how it is. And it's so I was theater. It's also easier because it's you, you do have to have money to do anything, obviously. Um, but it's a lot cheaper to put up a play than it is to make a movie or shoot your own television show, of course. So I have been writing a lot of plays to put myself in, frankly, because I was like, I haven't played that kind of part. I want to do that. I don't have enough money to make a movie. Let's just do a play and invite people and have the poster look cool and I can work with my friends. And my castmate from Sunny with a Chance slash So Random, her name was Allison Ashley Arm. She's been married. Her name is Allison Snyder. She played Zora on Sunny. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I know exactly who that is. Yeah. So she's one of my creative partners and she has transitioned. She's transitioning, transitioning from acting to directing. And she was like, the second you write anything for film or TV, I will I will direct it and make it happen. And I was like, OK. And during the pandemic, you know, she reached out to me and was like, any ideas? And there's a movie that I wrote and starred in that Allison directed called Howdy Neighbor that stars me and Debbie Ryan and Allison Stoner and Kevin Chamberlain and a couple of people from So Random and a lot of my best friends and people I look up to. We shot it last year and it's coming out later this year. So, you know, Allison's very like scrappy and gets things done and makes things done and very young and hungry and trying to figure out. She's very energized by that. I'm I'm no brain, I'm all heart. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like all creative, all like, where are these characters? What are they going through? And Allison's like, this is how we literally make this happen. So like, I thought we would be a good team working together because she could logistically figure it out while I'm like, you know, staring in the mirror with my friends trying to connect. Um, so we did a short film before the feature called Don't Turn Off the Ghost Light, which is kind of like a queer little ghost love story that stars me and my friend Chris Renfro. Chris Renfro is one of the greatest actors I've ever met and they're one of my best friends and I'm such a fan of their work. They were on Queer as Folk and um, The L Word and on The CW and so we got to work together and that film, Don't Turn Off the Ghost Light, just premiered at the Portland Horror Film Festival last weekend and is a short and we'll be doing um, the festival circuit for the rest of 2023, along with Howdy Neighbor. Um, Howdy funny. Neighbor is a campy queer horror movie loosely based on something that happened in my life um, that is a screen life movie. So it all takes place at a phone. So we have horror. It's horror, but there's a Zoom sequence that's very terrifying and ridiculous um, that we shot. And that's about to do the festival circuit as well. Um, its technical premiere is at the Soho Horror Film Festival's queer online festival at the end of June. Um, if you're in the UK, you'll be able to watch it. If you're not, you won't be able to watch it. However, I actually might be there. Okay, okay, Ash, let me know what you think. <laughs> you'll be watching it. I won't get to see it. Um, but you know, the movie's still being finished. We're it, the editing because it's all digital. There's a lot of stuff that needs to happen in the edit to make it all look like it's on a phone or social media. And so there will be opportunities to watch it in LA. And the hope, of course, is to get distribution for that, whether that's in theaters or in a streaming platform later this year. The film's also a holiday movie, it takes place at Christmas time. So the idea is to have it out for everyone to see by the holidays in 2023. Is there a trailer out that we could share with our listeners? Right now, there is not a trailer out that you can share with the listeners. It's being edited. And if for some reason, I don't know if this should be off the record, if that's available by the time this episode airs, I can share that. Um, we, one of the, 
the coolest and biggest days of my career so far is when Variety posted an article about it at the end of the summer last summer. That was news to me. I didn't know that was happening. And so I, I got a text being like, congratulations. I was like, huh? And then I saw my face in Variety and they put me and Debbie and Allison together and they had found out about it and picked it up. This was not something that at least I had pushed or even knew about happening. And because of that Variety article, we've gotten gratefully a lot of attention from that. So a lot of people have reached out to us about when can we see the movie? Can we premiere it? Can we have it? The Portland Horror Film Festival, I mean, sorry, the Soho Horror Film Festival reached out to us and asked for Howdy Neighbor. And because it's digital and we were like, sure. And so I think um, our publicist is, there's a couple outlets that want to premiere the trailer. So that would have to premiere first before I can give it to um, to you. But thank you for asking. It's very exciting. Yeah, that is so Super. exciting. Yeah, um, I want. I do want to go back to um, Disney and your time at Disney. Yeah, what was your experience like, and do you feel like there were more opportunities that came out of Disney, or has it been hard to get out of being seen as a Disney actor? That's a really good question. Uh, the answer is yes and no. <laughs> no I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, I had a great time working for Disney, and I would love to work for them again. I was, I was, we call it pinned, but I was on hold for a different Disney show last year um that they went the other way um with the with the actor which was exciting because it was an openly gay part on disney channel and so i was really bummed not to get that one but very happy that that's happening so i would love to and hope to work for them again i'm in an odd age for disney because they don't buy me and i don't either as a parent quite yet and maybe like a kooky no. teacher i can't be a kid anymore obviously um so but you're playing 19 tomorrow yeah right? but but if I'm auditioning for theater, that's a different thing because there's yeah. bright lights and I'm I'm further away and yeah. Um, Josh and I are playing 18 on Monday. Work. And, I think, and I'm sending a, like an aggressive email to the cast being like, no one wear makeup. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's encouraging. I have such like a youthful kind of energy that I, I usually, I almost never audition for things, you know, that are 30. Like it's always yeah and i i I mean like i'm a little i'm a kid i'm a kid so like it's i'll grow up at some point but that's just who i am i've always i've always been like that um i had a really great time working on disney channel uh i was originally cast in the pilot for shake it up and then my part got cut down 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 to basically two lines and then that was it but they disney remembered me and would bring me back in for stuff and that's where sunny with a chance slash so random came in it was sunny with a chance for the first two seasons and so random for the third season um and that was kind of a whirlwind of a couple years because they worked you very hard um, in a way that was very exciting and led to a ton of opportunities. Um, I mean, I probably wouldn't be talking with you two today if, if that stuff didn't happen. And I still get recognized on a daily basis from the Disney Channel stuff. And I'm very, very grateful uh, for that. I love doing drama, but I don't usually get cast or called in for that kind of thing. I mean, the dream for me really would to be the comedic relief on a dramatic show, I think. I think Emma Stone's a really good example of how you take an actor who's primarily earlier known in their career for doing comedic stuff, but then has the dramatic chops to, to back it up. I think any really good comedic actor underneath is a really good dramatic actor. I haven't found a ton of pushback from the Disney stuff lately. At the time, I remember going in for a couple general meetings with casting directors or 
I think I had one with CBS back in like 2013 where they were a little wary of, I only had Disney stuff on my resume. However, in 2013, I did a film called Southern Baptist Sissies um, that was full frontal nudity and uh, had suicide. And I was crying, I think, in every single scene. Um, and that was written and directed by the same director who was who did that play Yellow that I had done, the one that ran for a year. And so he knew what I was capable of. And so he showcased that in Southern Baptist Sissies, which a different section of people recognize me from, if that makes sense. So I feel like if you look hard enough out there, there is some dramatic stuff. However, I do know that like the comedy is what will kind of get my foot in the door. And I'm very happy to do that. Um, I do a lot of musical theater here in LA, um, a lot of kind of like silly musical theater and that's um, exercising a certain muscle that I think is fun. In my acting class, I got to do a lot of dramatic stuff and people have been pretty open-minded, but I hope I continue to get to do um, all kinds of things. In, in Howdy Neighbor, it's not an overtly comedic movie. The comedy is kind of uh, subtextual and the comedy is there kind of in the dialogue, but there is some moments of real connection. I have a, there's a love story with me and another guy in the film that I think is really sweet and nice. And Debbie Ryan, who plays my best friend in the movie, we have some real genuine connections throughout the film. So it's not all silly and wild. You know, there is some groundedness, which is fun to play. And hopefully I'll get to continue to show that. Do you feel like there are a lot of um, opportunities in terms of di diversity and inclusion, or do you find yourself auditioning for mostly like straight heterosexual roles? I think the diversity inclusion, and I can only specifically talk to my experience as yeah. a white gay cis man. Um, and I think it's, it's mostly gotten better. I remember having an audition for a pilot in 2016 and the breakdown was gay, but not a victim. And I had a really hard time with wrapping my head around that because there's the presupposition that a gay person exists as a victim. So I, in everything that I write and everything I really want to work on, I actively pursue queer characters whose conflict they're in, involved in is not in any way indicative of their queerness. So in Howdy Neighbor, there's no slurs, there's no bullying because of being gay. It's just a movie about a bunch of gay people that are having fucked up shit that happens to them and has nothing to do with them being gay. I kind yeah. of have like a three strike rule for movies, mostly where it's usually like F slurs for me or I, I went through conversion therapy. I was really violently bullied growing up. So I don't need to pay to sit and watch that anymore for entertainment's sake. Uh, so that's not something I hope to participate in. So I think those, we're getting better about that. We're having, you know, more well-rounded, um, diverse people for lack of a better word. Um, I'm the biggest Halle Bailey stan in the world and I could not be more obsessed with The Little Mermaid and all of that. And I'm very excited by and looking forward to when we're casting saying, why can't this be a black woman? Why can't this be a disabled person? Why can't this be any of that stuff? I, there's only good things can come out of that. I, I'll never be able to understand how anyone could think any of that is anything but an absolutely great thing. 
That being said, there are times where you can tell scripts are written by a straight person. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of hard to articulate unless you have the gay experience, but, and I'm feeling more empowered to say no to things. And when I get, I've been offered scripts before that I've turned down and I've pointed out, this is why I feel uncomfortable doing this. In fact, I had a phone call with the casting director this past December. I was offered a project that I found to be transphobic. And I wrote a very long email to the director very kindly because I would love to work with him again or work with him. But this was just not it for me. And the cast director and I had a really nice conversation. I felt very heard about that. And I feel very good about my decision with that. So as we continue to have pieces of entertainment, whether it be film or TV, that feel, um, that give you like the ick as a, um, any kind of marginalized person, I'm feeling, and hopefully other people are feeling as well, more empowered to point out, this is not okay. This is why this is not okay. And I don't want to participate in that kind of thing. It's tough as an actor because you never want to turn down work. It's so hard to get work. So, yeah. you know, but all those decisions that I've made, I've at least slept on it or go, gone for a long ass walk to think about it. And I've never, I haven't regretted saying no to anything for those reasons. So I, I think it is getting better and I think it could get even better. And I, I hope that it does. There's a lot of really exciting films coming out. It's, um, there's this film called Bottoms that's coming out later this year that I have no connection to. I just saw the trailer to, and it's, it's kind of like a teen sex comedy for lack of a better description, but told through a lesbian or queer women's eyes or queer teen girls. I think that's really, really exciting. Um, the Fire Island movie that came out last year, I'm such a huge fan of Joel Kim Booster and just Matt and Bowen in general, um, who are friends of mine, I absolutely adore them. With Don't Turn Off the Ghost Light, my short film and Howdy Neighbor, that feature film, I want any, any person to feel safe watching the movie and to not have any of the ugliness of the outside world infiltrate any of that stuff. We don't have to have that in films. We have a lot of beautiful films that deal with it. I think Moonlight's one of my favorite movies, an inc incredible film. Those films are important. I think, you know, conversion therapy movies, uh, those stories are important to be told. Right now, I don't want to write anything in that space because I think there's more stories that we can tell for queer voices than just trauma. Yeah, yeah, I also think there's a, you have to protect yourself at some point, right? Like reliving trauma and opening those wounds is not going to be helpful. And as an actor, as it is, you're putting yourself out there and you are bringing up past experiences in your, just it's part of who you are. You can't, it's still in you and you have to be so vulnerable. Like why put yourself through anything that is just not going to benefit you in this moment? I yep. also completely agree with what you were saying about how you can tell who has written the project based on how it was written. Because yes. I felt that way about the way women were written. And I think it's so obvious when you can tell that a man is writing a woman. Um, and that was why I got into writing, directing and producing myself was because I wanted the female experience to be written authentically. And I also cannot believe that you brought up The Little Mermaid because Osh and I, the project that we were just telling you about the person starring in it is Jodie Benson, who's the original Little Mermaid. So, so funny that you just brought that up. I just got off the phone with her. Wait, what is that project? Tell me more. 
it's about a coming of age story set in Quaker school because I went to Quaker school for 14 years. Oh so. my gosh. <laughs> so, I cannot wait to see. That sounds amazing. I cannot wait to see that. Maybe we'll connect on the festival circuit. That would be great. That's so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. But I want to go back to what you were talking about with the roles that you decide to take on. Mm. What do you feel like fulfills you most? That's a really good question. That's a tough one to answer. As far as what fulfills me the most, I do think that there is a set as a queer person, there's a sense of relief I get when the audition or the part that I'm offered is a queer part. I do audition for straight parts and I do I've played I've played straight parts. There's a, a, a different level of work I kind of have to do um, when it is a straight character. Um, so if, first and foremost, I'm, I'm really excited by and energized playing queer characters in, in general, or um, I'm the lead in Howdy Neighbor, and I suppose I'm like the leading man in it, but there's something about being a support system in a play or film or TV show. I get really energized by ensembles and... I also love to be the freshman in the room. Like I, I'm always looking for, I, I want to be the least experienced person everywhere I go, specifically acting. I, I like, I'm really looking forward to working with more, you know, established actors and people that I can learn things from. So looking ahead, and I don't, don't know if this is directly answering your question, but the idea of playing a queer character in an ensemble with veteran actors sounds very energizing to me to work together to create something that you know hits all the beats comedically or dramatically what what whatever it is i love multicam stuff i think you know multicams are kind of few and far between now but or for if anyone's listening it's also a sitcom but we call it multicam um i i love those and those are opening more to be more kind of dramatic in in a way so it's like you get the opportunities to do make the audience laugh also, like a multicam is kind of like the bridge between theater and television because you have the live audience there, but you're still like hitting your marks and you're on camera and you get to do multiple takes. So there's something that's very attractive and energizing to me about a queer ensemble for a multicam. In fact, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to say it. I wrote a pilot um, called Open Marriage um that is kind of like a will and grace reboot so my my best friend in the world uh, the greatest person of all time is demi lovato i met demi through disney channel uh we met working on sunny with a chance together and we've been best friends for like 12 years and demi and i shot a reality show a documentary series uh for peacock a couple years ago called unidentified where it was basically demi uh and myself and demi's sister dallas driving in an rv across arizona to find proof of extraterrestrials there we go and while we were on the rv one day we were driving to the next location i just had this idea of you know what would it be like if demi and i turned 30 and we both wanted to be married and we weren't married yet and there were these gay best friends who just decided to get married to each other and so and then i was like what world can exist around that where it's like it's in west hollywood you know there, there's a female queer character who works at a lesbian bar. My character works in West Hollywood where the supporting cast is drag queens and love interests. And um, how would two gay, who a, gay, a lesbian and a gay man deal with in a marriage together? Um, and what conflicts and fun could come from that? Uh, so like, that's 
though these kind of worlds I'm talking about are the the work that would really get me going and get me very excited. That sounds amazing. Can you make <laughs> I want to like, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to watch that immediately. Yeah, we yeah. did. Uh, I I wrote it. Went over. I went over to Demi's house and we just read it together out loud a couple months ago. Um, everything obviously writing wise is on hold right now, so I kind of tabled all of that stuff. Um, but I got a pilot in my back pocket, ready to go for a multicam. Um, it's very LA of me to have, uh, you know, uh, a play, a pilot, a feature ready to go at any point. I love it. I love it. Yeah. If you were to, if someone presented you with the opportunity to be the lead star in a Broadway musical, or <laughs> I already know what your answer is now. <laughs> Or the lead in a feature, like a major motion picture feature film with your biggest inspirations in this industry, like actors who are you playing alongside, who are you're like, oh my God, like these are my people. Which one would you choose? I would choose the film, but notice, but I would like to recognize how devastated I would be. The film, yeah. the film I would choose because um, like I was saying before, you, a film lives forever, right? So it's like you work really hard to create this thing that... I mean, I'm that person who watches movies over and over again. I, I cannot handle silence. Like I just turn on Devil Wears Prada when I get home and just like have these movies on all, all the time. And so the idea of being part of like a comfort film for somebody or frankly, even myself would be, that's, that's something I haven't gotten to do, which would be, that's very attractive to me. Um, so I would definitely, I would choose that one, but I would feel remiss. I mean, uh, I don't know if I should say this either. Uh, a friend of mine who we have been in development for a Broadway musical for about four years now. And in fact, I'm supposed to lay down my demo vocals. Uh, I'm looking at my calendar next Tuesday. Um, and so that's very slowly in development. And that is something that has been my, I can sing just fine. Like I'm a fine singer. Like I thought I was a pop star when I was like 16 in high school and was like giving my CD to people in the hallways. But like, and I do a lot of musical theater, so I can sing. I'm not like, I'm not Adele Dazeem or anything like that. So like, I don't have like the greatest voice of all time. So that's part of this like um, musical <laughs> that we're in development for is like playing to my strengths and you know, how, how that would work. It's not just for me too. There's it's, that's an ensemble piece that we're working on as well. So hopefully Ash, to answer your question, both. Both, oh my gosh, you can have your cake and eat it too, absolutely. <laughs> right now, right now, it's, right now I would say the film, after the strike is over and yeah. it's a great contract and we're really, we, uh, it's good vibes all around, I would choose the film, but this is a great question. So with everything that you're taking on and the many different hats that you wear in your career, do you have like a morning routine or healthy habits that you swear by to help you be the best you? So I do something every full moon that kind, I'm also a moon person. I'm not an astro astronomy, astrology. Uh, Ash is like, I am in the like, No, 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 no. I love the moon. I don't know the difference between astronomy and astrology either. I keep mixing the two up but i'm obsessed with the moon okay so we're the same okay got it like if you go in my if in my bedroom is just full moon stuff everywhere there's literally a postcard of the full moon on my ceiling so like i fall asleep under the full moon every night in doubt for buying me shit just buy me full moon stuff so i go for a full moon walk every every once a month and all my friends know this everyone knows this and i walk around weho late at night um and i make a full moon playlist every month and 
even that's I do have a daily routine thing that I do, but the full moon thing is the first thing that comes to mind because that's so important to me. It feels like I need that once a month to look up at the moon and I, I see the moon as God or the universe just winking down at me being like, I know that month was hard. It's okay. Just let's just walk for a bit and, and let's recharge for the next month. And I like imagine like from feet to head, like full moonlight filling me up. If it's cloudy, no, and I, that, that, that sucks. Um, I still will go for a walk or I've done this in Africa. I've done this in Mexico. If I'm traveling, I always make sure I go for a full moon walk. And um, Damsel's exclusive. Uh, I also do this thing, a couple of my friends know, but like everything's, nothing matters anymore. So I'm just gonna tell you, I, after the full moonwalk is over, I go behind my building and take off all my clothes and I jump naked up in the air. So for a second, the only thing that's touching my body is full moonlight. <laughs> oh my God, that is an exclusive. Yeah, and then I like very quickly, like take off clothes and I jump in the air like naked first. So my feet are off the ground and like, so just full moon covers my nude body. Wow. Um, my neighbors have probably seen it all at this point. And wait, but what I, if you have like a five a.m. call time or something? Are you still going on the walk? I'm still going on the walk. I am. However, I cheat sometimes because a full moon is one night, but it's kind of three nights. There's like a ninety-nine percent full, a one hundred percent full, and a ninety-nine percent full. If there's clouds or things get in the way, I'll do one of those three nights. But I don't think I've ever. Sometimes it's a quick walk if it's an early day, you know what I mean? Like maybe I'll go for an hour. It's like a real quick thing, but like uh, De Demi this, Demi that, but Demi can attest we did that and we were in Africa together one full moon and we went for a quick walk around and went out on out on like in the desert and quickly took our clothes off and jumped up and did the whole thing. <laughs> Wait, where in Africa were you? We were in um, the Maasai Desert in Kenya. Kenya? Yeah. Cool. I'm from Botswana, so I'm very, oh very God. much. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I want to go back so badly. Hopefully I can. Next time you go back, please do Botswana first and make that like a priority because that is the, it's the most beautiful country. And if oh, you wow. want to do safaris, that's the best place to do it. Got it. We were yeah. building, um, uh, Demi had visited and there were these necklaces from, there were these women that had made these necklaces and Demi brought them on tour and sold the necklaces with all the proceeds going back to the women. And I think it was something like it cost them like two cents to make and the necklaces were like 20 bucks. So, and they sold out. So with the money that were made from the necklaces, um, a girl's school was able to be built. And so we went to go see the girl's school and help build a men's school out there. And then we went on safari afterwards. That's uh, amazing. So cool. It was That's awesome. so cool. It was great. Um, as far as like daily routine goes, I read this thing a couple months ago, and I think it's the truth where within the first hour of waking up, you should see the sun, like go outside and see sunlight. Yep. And I Huberman. have noticed a major difference in the days I do that. And I don't do that. Clouds used to, I used to think clouds were sexy. I think I'm good on clouds for the rest of my life because it's been so dreary in LA. I think this is boring to listen to if you don't live in LA, but just understand if you're in LA, we've been miserable because we're six months in and we've seen the sun like three times this year. Like what is going on? <laughs> so like I go for another walk. I, in the morning, I try to go for a walk around the neighborhood and I'm giving you all the exclusives. It doesn't matter anymore. I, depending on the time of year, I listen to a certain song as I walk around the neighborhood and I have like a summer mix ready to go. But for the month of May, I listened to When Will My Life Begin from the Tangled soundtrack, the, the song and the reprise. So I would, if you saw me in WeHo stumbling around, glasses on, I was listening to the Tangled soundtrack every morning, trying to get my son <laughs> in to get me going. You know, I think it's tricky. 
in 2023 because it's like we're looking down so much you just go to your phone and like the second you wake up you're putting out fires on your phone or whatever terrible thing is happening in the world or you want to check something it's it's pretty unrealistic to like not check your phone when you wake up i do think i slash we'd be happier if we like went for a walk in the sun before we looked at our phones so usually what i try to do is force this ass to get out and just walk a circle hopefully in sunlight listening to something that wakes me up a little bit and I find that that puts me in a better mood and sets my perspective for the day a lot better instead of immediately going to the phone, staying inside, and then I'm having an inside phone morning. You know what I mean? Uh, Absolutely. I think, I think the sun and looking up sounds really simple, and I found it effective for me. Also, um, it's if you're thinking of the same person who said that, it's Andrew Huberman, and he says don't wear sunglasses when you're doing that get direct contact with the sun. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. But for, but for no more than 10 minutes, obviously it's not good for your eyes to be staring at the sun, but don't really like stare up at the sun, but be out in the sun and get your eyes like having that direct contact. Yeah. I also love the beach. I mean, the beach is like, if I could hopefully I'll live by the beach one day where that is the most centering thing in the, in the world for me, because everything seems so far away when you're at the beach and just Mm -hmm. like, I love the ocean. I'm a mermaid, like, like the grandeur of like, seeing the water it just like being there i just i feel like i can breathe you know i live in west hollywood so the beach is like 25 minutes away not too far um that's i I have friends who are like the mountains is that for them you know what i mean or whatever for me beach 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 um but if i can't at least a sunny walk around weho while listening to disney music that is i think that's my the most favorite morning routine that i've heard i'm obsessed with people's morning routines and (laughs) yours is probably my favorite Damsel's uh, exclusive. Oh, thanks. I have like, I'm seeing Beyonce in concert on September 2nd, and I'm trying to get all the words to heated memorized by the time I'm there. The it's the like third to last song, I think on Renaissance. So starting summer, summer's officially the 21st next week. This is what a lunatic I am. I'm going to listen to heated on my walk every morning until I get the words exactly right. So I can know every word for September 2nd. Oh my God. I love that. I used to do that for the Jonas Brothers concert. Oh my gosh, yes. Burning Up is on my summer mix every year. <laughs> Great song. Great yes. <laughs> okay, going into our DMs questions. Lauren, yeah. were you gonna do say the exact same thing as me? No, I just wanted you to say it. It's so much better. Okay. <laughs> okay. Please can you tell us the funniest or weirdest, weirdest or inspiring or most intriguing DM that you have ever received? I want to preface this short story by saying, let's laugh at this. And this is not a sad thing. This is funny. And I, it's one of my favorite things. So let's, I just want to start off by saying, this is great. Um, this DM, the sad part is my dear friend, Leslie Jordan passed away last year. Um, Leslie and I worked together on Southern Baptist Sissy, the movies, Southern Baptist Sissy is the movie I was talking about earlier. And dear friend adored him and he he passed away last year. It was very, very sad. However, I get a DM on Instagram from Leslie Jordan like a week after he died. And I see a notification on my phone. I was like, Leslie Jordan DM me. And it it was something like, I love you. Thank you for the support. And I was like, what? I was like, Leslie Jordan is communicating with me from beyond the grave. And I checked the DM. It's Leslie's wonderful boyfriend who still runs the account on Instagram. To this day, Leslie posts all the time. But to get that DM from Leslie Jordan after he had passed away was 
terrifying, thrilling, um, validating, comforting. Uh, in fact, I still communicate with Leslie's boyfriend through Leslie's Instagram and tag him all the time. And I have like this, he and I text, but we mostly communicate on DM on Instagram. And it's still, it might sound weird or sad, but it's weirdly comforting every time I get a DM from beyond the grave from Leslie Jordan, because it makes me smile. And he was such a lovely, beautiful, bubbly, naughty, ridiculous, smart, funny person that any of those attributes just they come flying back to me anytime I see on my notifications that I have a DM from Leslie Jordan or is reposted my story or whatever it is. Um, yeah, that would have to be when you when, when I was wondering, I was like, what's my favorite DM or the wildest DM I've gotten? Uh, the one from Beyond the Grave from Leslie Jordan is number one. Beyond the Grave, I love that. <laughs> he actually crazy. lived very close to me in West when I was living in West Hollywood during the pandemic. Yes. Um, but I would see him before the pandemic too. I would see him in Erwan all the time, and I love him. I was but about I, to say I, and I, just, I didn't want to be one of those annoying fangirls to be like, hey, oh my god, I love you. Oh yeah. I wish I did. Yeah, you should have. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this is a great time to ask you what the DM of the week would like to know. Their question is, is there a dream collaboration or a specific type of character you'd love to portray? I would love to be in Scream 7. I am putting that out there. Is that the one that's being filmed in July? I think it's October. Or maybe Heather Matarazzo is in it. She's in it? Yes. Well, maybe it's too late for me to be in Scream 7. <laughs> It'll be July, but maybe it's not in Moved. I could be wrong. The casting director is a, is a good friend of mine, and he brought the idea up. And I'm a huge, huge Scream fan. Demi was involved with Scream 6 because her song at the end of the movie, Still Alive, uh, plays at the end of the film. So Demi and I actually got a sneak peek screening with Matt and Tyler, the directors of Scream 6, back in October. Um, and so... I was like, I have an in. Get me in a scream movie. <laughs> like I'm, I love, I love horror so much. Uh, so collabing with Heather um, would be a dream. Uh, my other thought was Jamie Lee Curtis because she's mother, and um, I think if any of us can have as much fun in our careers as Jamie, half the fun that Jamie Lee Curtis has in her career, whatever it is, then we're living a pretty good life because like. The choices she makes and the amount of fun she has with everything she does. Academy Award winner Jamie Lee Curtis, like just to be in her. I've I've met her before. I've uh, she and I have mutual friends. I kissed her on the mouth one night, but like we don't. I know it's not wild, but it was really brief. She wouldn't remember. Like that sounds <laughs> awful, but like that's she just, won't remember. Like, she was just so drunk. She yeah. won't remember that. <laughs> well, definitely not. She's been. Um, uh, she, uh, a friend of mine is really close with her and brought me as his plus one to the Halloween 2018 premiere. And we just spent some time together that night. It was just a very like, nice to meet you kind of thing. She's very effusive and demonstrative and I'm very that way. So um, to get to collab to her in an artistic level, Jamie Lee Curtis, it's gotta be this Jamie is, Lee. This is literally you manifesting what's about to happen in the near future. <laughs> just letting you know. The and first I cannot wait to see is, this uh, happen. My first manifestation is a great contract for SAG-AFTRA. That's like really what, um, that's the most yes. important one before um, Scream 7 or 8 or whatever it is, or Jamie Lee. But those are my first thoughts. Great deal. Yes. I'm so glad you explained the SAG contract because I was like, 
backed on my friend's project that doesn't qualify and no i i can't thank you for that <laughs> well we'll just keep in touch about it for the next three weeks and maybe it'll evolve in a way where we can make it all happen you know um fingers crossed yeah you were beyond a true delight thank you so much hey. for here. and seriously you have uplifted my spirits you've made my day um I had a rough day going into this and you have Aww. made me like this industry again. So thank you for being here and thank you for sharing your story. Can you please tell our listeners where they can find you and stay up to date on your work? Hey, yeah, you can find me at Matthew Scott Montgomery on TikTok, Matthew underscore Scott underscore Montgomery on Instagram. It has the blue check. I don't have a blue check on Twitter anymore, but Twitter's dead. So it doesn't even matter. Okay. But I, I am on Twitter. Who cares? Um, but yeah, Instagram, Matthew underscore Scott underscore Montgomery and Matthew Scott Montgomery on TikTok. Yay, thank you, Matthew. You're honestly the best human being, and I'm so happy you came on. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I've had um, better mornings as well, and this made it, uh, this would be the high point of the day. So thank you so much for cheering me up as well. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Damsels and DMs. One small thing, Osh, I realized because I was looking at photos of my moderating that I held my mic like the entire time where other people put it down. And it's definitely because you have me holding my mic from the I podcast. know, I'm sorry. So I'm like so adjusted now to just always holding it. <laughs> I also couldn't get more pictures of you because you, I was sitting at this angle and you were like, like, well, I was this. tilting to face them, so I could. Yeah, I know, back. but like, I getting, I would have been like worthless getting more pictures because it would have been the same thing of you like this. I could have moved, but I, I, I don't know. Sometimes I talked out, but it's it was like for one second. Like I can't, you know, click it. But you gotta work harder. I tried. Listen, work that's what your boyfriend's for. <laughs> we had three photographers here. Someone had to have gotten one picture that you could see your face. That's true. That's true. Yeah. All right. Anyway, tell the people what they got to do. So please rate, review, subscribe, and keep sending us your DMs of the week. And let us know who you want to talk to. We've got some really cool people coming up. Uh, we've just had some cool people. Would you say interrupting me like that? Through October. Like, <laughs> yeah. adding on. <laughs> you were saying, oh, not interrupting people. We do have people coming in. Um, we're booked until the end of October, which is really awesome. And we still have more people coming, which is really cool. All right, everybody. Well, it's been another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Until next time. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Bye. DMs, DMs, we don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Chapter One, Wayfair welcomes you to the Waberhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waverhood, she said, where Wafer helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home. 
Just in and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.